Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. It's interesting because uh, as you start to you know, in- investigate the path, sort of your development along the way um, towards being happier and healthier and more caring and compassionate, uh, then there's a, there's a shift in what meditation is. I've talked about that before, you know, that we don't meditate in order to become great meditators. And if we are, then we're doing it wrong, you know. Uh, Bob Thurman, who's a really wonderful um, Tibetan scholar, great devotee of the Dalai Lama, he has, I highly recommend his podcast, by the way, it's absolutely fantastic, hilarious, fantastic, um, packed with information. Uh, and he talks about how, in some sense, the, um, this desire to kind of escape, to zone, you know, to find the big space, to go off into this big kind of empty space. He calls it the cheap oneness. Because, you know, he's pointing to the fact that in a way, you know, being in great empty space, which is definitely a part of the, you know, it's one of the experiences along the way, you know, where there's nothing else, there's no one else, it's just space. He says in a way that's easy, because there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing that you can, you know, have to deal with. But it's actually then coming back into your body and being with other people. This really is the next stage along the path. That ability to really drop out of your thoughts, come into your body, um, and you know, and be very still, is definitely a really important step along the path. But it's it's definitely not the end of the path. Um, and I think this is where sometimes meditation can get co-opted unskillfully in the service of making us feel good. What um, Chigyan Trimpa calls spiritual materialism. So we're just using meditation in the same way that we use alcohol or we use Xanax or we use, you know, watching telly. It's a way of like switching off all the stress and strain of other people and relationships and being in the world and just disappearing down a kind of, this instead of disappearing into the into the tube, you disappear into this like, okay, I'm in my don't bother me space. <coughs> and you can tell that that's not real if, if you poke one of those meditators. <laughs> you know, if you poke one of these meditators that's in the kind of great bliss, and they go, fuck off, I'm meditating! <laughs> then you know that you know, that's the, they're doing it the wrong way. Because we only go through that stage in order to empty out all the crap that stops us being able to be in the world in a loving and useful way. You know, we're, not, we're not learning to meditate to hidey hole in some bliss cavern for the rest of our life. Uh, you know, we're learning to meditate to be in the world, to be of service, to love and be loved, to be part of the world. You know, not, it's not an exit strategy. And so the, you know, the next part of the path, you know, when the initial practice is about stilling the mind, stilling the body, you know, controlling our urges, understanding something about the self, 
you know, getting to know our inner voices and all this, you know, the things that we've been doing you know, all along the way. And then there comes a part where we need to start working with the heart, the heart that feels things, that gets conflicted, that hates people and loves people and gets attached, and that's actually in the world. And at that stage of the path, you know, what we used to call meditation, is very often um, a skillful means for facilitating that and stopping us uh, closing, closing down. So there comes a point where it might not feel like meditation. It might feel just like some preparation, but it's preparation for being in the world, in a way. It's a skillful means. And then further down the path, there's even more skillful means that lead to other things. But um, I think it's worth uh, having that, con that, that con contemplating that. You know, what, what are we doing? Why are we meditating? Are we just doing it to, to zone out, to make ourselves feel a bit better? Or are we, does it have a, a longer-term purpose? Well, certainly when we start to look at compassion, then we're definitely moving into that. Essentially, we're, we're, we're moving from a constricted space to an open space, in very, very simple terms. But we're working with all the biological and neurobiological mechanisms that reinforce those two stances. You know, so flight and fight and freeze close us down, necessarily, and the kind of more mammalian systems open us up. And that involves like listening, building a bridge out into the world, letting the sounds come in involves making a noise, letting yourself be seen and heard. It means opening your eyes, relaxing your face, and, and resonating. And then, of course, the, the whole point of that mammalian system is to form groups, is to not be on your own. It's a profoundly uh, non-isolating uh, system. Because, as, as I'm sure you know, human beings would all die if we isolated. Now in cities we all manage to do that, but prior to Amazon Prime <laughs> uh, and pizza, you know, pizza delivery services, if we didn't have a group, we would starve to death. And at the very least, when we were born, we would die because we need parents to look after us till we're 46. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, human beings are hopelessly dependent on one another. And that is um, it's a good thing. That makes, you know, makes the glue of society so <coughs> crucial. Community, groups, tribes. Uh, and, you know, sadly that's been kind of eroded by this nonsensical insistence on individualism and you know, the, this pioneer kind of singular singular uh, egoic journey the hero's journey but you know our biology is still you know very much still in the apes rolling around in the ugandan glade picking fleas off each other and feeding each other bananas so our biology still really longs for and is completely wired for community and togetherness and so that uh, that 
listening, that opening the bridge out, you know, opening the heart, as we're going to continue over the, over the week. This is a profoundly pro-social move, which is, in essence, what compassion is. It's pro-sociability. Uh, and so when we get to the end of the practice, uh, when we do it this evening, there's, a, there's another stage where we start actually tuning our, our chanting to the room. So we're not just like bulldozing through our... You know, like against... But we're actually kind of like listening. Listening to the room and fluctuating so that the, you know, something happens in the room that is a group thing. And that can be profound. That can be a really profound liberation because as we'll explore in the, in the coming uh, days, the most persistent block to compassion is self, is the isolation of the self, the insistence of the ego. And a great experience of liberation comes where we just go, okay, I'm just going to surrender into something bigger than the self can be very frightening because we're very invested in the self but it ultimately is the is the motor of compassion when we just even for a moment just let go of that ego constriction of like i me my me 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 everything's about me and so chanting is a nice physical way of, of that happening just surrender to the group Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.